listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke 8, and I'll be reading uh, verses 1 and 4 through 15. Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to, came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables so that Looking, they may not perceive, and listening, they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The one on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe only for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience and endurance. So good morning again, everyone. So Aaron and I had about 25 people over to our house Friday night for the Young Family Cookout. It was a blast. Um, It's like five or six families from our church who came out. Really fun time. It started drizzling about 15 minutes before the cookout was supposed to start, kind of right as I was getting the grill ready to go. And then it turned into a downpour for about an hour. Um, but we still had an awesome time. Um, I got soaked. I think I definitely had the wettest t-shirt of the, of the, um, of the group. Um, but I learned how to, grow, how to grill in the rain, which is a good life skill. So it turns out I can grill in a downpour. Um, but once the rain cleared up, uh, we made a campfire. We played some volleyball. Everyone had an awesome time. So thank you, anyone who came out for that. It was, it was a real blast. We're starting a new preaching series this week, um, and this one's going to take us through the end of the church year, through about late November or so. Um, We started this year out in the Gospel of Luke. If you can remember Advent, way back in 2018, so long ago. Um, And we're going to be back in Luke's Gospel for this series, working our way through the parables of Jesus, right through the end of the year. Parable is a fancy word for story. And the parables are a major part of Jesus' teaching. When he teaches, he tends to use these stories. Luke's Gospel has the most parables. There are about 24 parables of Jesus in Luke's Gospel. That's more than any other Gospel. 
Luke's gospel also has the most unique parables. A lot of these stories tend to repeat across the gospel. So like Matthew, Mark, and Luke will all tell the same story. But Luke's got the most parables that are found only in Luke and nowhere else. The parable of the prodigal son, which is this famous story where a man has two sons. One of them takes his half of the estate. He goes off to the city. He squanders it on like wild and crazy living. Then he comes back home ashamed, penniless, and hungry, and the father receives him back with love and forgiveness. That story is only in Luke's gospel. The Good Samaritan, this other famous parable about a man who's beaten and left to die on the side of the road until a Samaritan comes by and rescues him. That's also in Luke's gospel, and we're actually going to look at that next week, so a little, a little preview of that. But the parable we're looking at today is not exclusive to Luke. The parable of the sower pops up in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's usually the first parable Jesus tells. The parable of the sower is also unique because it's one of, these, one of the only parables that Jesus interprets. He tells this story about a guy scattering seeds. Some of the seeds fall on the good soil. Some of it falls on the thorns. Some falls on the rock. Some falls on the, on the road. And then Jesus actually goes point by point through the story and unpacks it all for his disciples. Which really means that my work is done here. So. No, I'm just kidding. You're getting a sermon. I'm, just, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to let you go that early. Even though Jesus unpacks this story for us, there's still a lot we can dig into in this story. And actually, full disclosure for this sermon, I'm not really that interested in the parable of the sower. It's a good story. It's a really important parable. But I'm interested in this passage for another reason. The reason we're kicking off this series with this story is because this is where Jesus explains why he teaches in parables. And that's the question for today. Why does Jesus teach in parables in the first place? It'd probably be helpful to like start by exploring more of what a parable is, so let's do that. As I said a moment ago, parable is a fancy word for story. But parables are a very specific kind of story. It's a story that's about more than what we see on the surface. There's many layers of meaning to a parable. The parable of the sower is a story about a guy scattering seeds. Except that it's not a story about a guy scattering seeds. There's more to the story. There's a deeper meaning, some sort of divine parallel embedded in the story. Now, parables were pretty common in the ancient world, especially in Jewish culture. This was a really common way to teach. Uh, people told all sorts of stories like this for all sorts of other reasons. Uh, we even have other parables in the Bible by people other than Jesus. Probably the most famous one is from 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, it concerns King David. King David's the guy who, when he was a little kid, he killed Goliath. You know that story, David and Goliath? Well, at this point, he's the king, and David did some pretty bad stuff. Um, he had sex with a woman he wasn't married to, got her pregnant, and then had her husband killed to cover it up. Like you do, apparently. Um, and so the prophet Nathan comes into David's throne room to confront him, and he tells him a parable. There's a poor man in the kingdom who had a single lamb, his prized possession. 
This poor man loved this lamb. He cared for the lamb from birth. But there was a rich man who had all the flocks he could possibly want, and he saw this poor man's lamb. And when the rich man had some of his friends over for dinner, he took the lamb from the poor man, he slaughtered it, and he served it to his friends. King David stands up. He's enraged. He's like, by the Lord's name, this man deserves to die. And then Nathan gets right in David's face. And he goes, you are that man. <laughs> David survives this, or sorry, Nathan survives this encounter, which is probably the miracle of the story. Um, but this gets at another aspect of these parables. These are dangerous stories. They're very subversive. If you've ever read a book like Animal Farm by George Orwell, how many people here have read Animal Farm, or at least read the Cliff Notes version, like me, when you're in high school? Okay. Um, Animal Farm's a story about a bunch of animals that take over a farm, but it's really a story that is critiquing the government in the USSR, Soviet Russia. So these stories Jesus is going around telling, it would almost be like walking around in Soviet Russia at the height of kind of communist rule and telling animal farm to people. That's basically the equivalent of a lot of these stories. They're dangerous. They're subversive. These are stories that have to be told in a metaphorical way because if you came right out and said it, the powers that be would probably kill you. Even if you tell it in parables, they might kill you. <clears throat> and most of Jesus' parables start out with a phrase like, the kingdom of God is like this. And then he tells a story. We see this over and over again throughout the Gospels. Even in our passage for today, in verse 1, <clears throat> Jesus is traveling through the cities and the villages proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. Whenever Jesus preaches the good news, whenever he preaches the gospel, which means good news, it's always the gospel of God's kingdom. We've seen this in Jesus' teachings before when we did the Beatitudes way back last summer. Jesus contrasts his way of life, the kingdom of God, the way that he is bringing for his followers, this way of living in right relationship with God, with ourselves, with other people, with the world. He contrasts this to the kingdoms of this world. In the world as it exists today, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But in God's kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. In the world as it is today, we're taught that might makes right. That you should hate your enemies and kill them. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But in the kingdom of God, in God's way of doing things, we're taught to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. That those who live by the sword die by the sword. Jesus is walking around the Roman Empire proclaiming an alternative empire, God's empire. And he uses these subversive, dangerous stories to do it. This is how he instills the values of God's kingdom in his followers in a way that lets him fly under the radar of the powers that be, at least for a little while. And that actually pushes against the way we often think about parables today. Parables are like metaphors. I think that would be a good word for them. And if you read any book on parables or if you've heard teachings on parables, you probably hear it explained that a parable is a practical story that offers some sort of divine truth. 
The way we often think about it is Jesus is using familiar ideas, familiar themes, familiar images to take these complex divine ideas, these theological truths, and make them easy to understand. That's how we think about them. Take something complex and make it easy to grapple with. But that's actually the opposite of how Jesus explains the parables in this passage. If we go back to our passage, Luke chapter 8, verse 9, this will be on the screen, I think. The disciples ask Jesus why he teaches in parables, and this is what he has to say in verse 10. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. What is that about? We've been taught the whole idea of a parable is to make this stuff easy to understand, but Jesus says the opposite. Jesus teaches in parables so that people won't understand. In Matthew's version of the story, same story, Jesus gives a really similar explanation, but it's a lot longer. Matthew tended to tell everything a bit longer, but it's worth looking at because Matthew and Luke say essentially the same thing. So we're going to flip to Matthew. It'll be on the screen. Chapter 13, starting in verse 13. This is from the same story, the parable of the sower, and Jesus explains to the disciples why he teaches in parables. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, hearing they, don't, they do not listen, nor do they understand. That's the line from Luke, very similar. But then Jesus continues. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, You will listen but never understand, you will look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, they have shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So what is going on with these parables? Why does Jesus want to disclose these ideas to some people and hide them from others? That doesn't seem very fair. In both Matthew and Luke's versions of this story, Jesus references Isaiah. That line about hearing but not perceiving, seeing but not understanding, that's from Isaiah, and it's a book in the Old Testament. It's a very interesting parallel. The line comes from the call of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. And when God called Isaiah, it was a very pivotal moment in Israel's history. Things were going well on the surface. The people had food. Israel was in like relative peace with its neighbors. The economy was good. GDP was strong. Unemployment was low. A lot of people were making a lot of money. But it was all about to fall apart. And when God calls Isaiah, he gives him this warning. I'm going to send you to speak to a people who aren't going to listen. They'll see you, but they won't understand you. They'll hear your words, but they won't listen. And Isaiah is understandably pretty upset about this. So he's like, God, what gives? Why would you send me to people who aren't going to listen? 
And God replies by promising Isaiah that there's going to be a small remnant of people. There's going to be a group out of the larger group that gets it, that is keyed into the message, that's hungry for the message God is going to send through Isaiah. And God's going to work through those people. So when he explains the parables, Jesus gives a similar warning to his disciples. This movement of ours is not going to be successful. Jesus is not going to storm into Jerusalem on a white horse and overthrow the Romans like everybody wants. That's not how God's kingdom works. It's far less violent and way more subtle than that. Jesus is going to die a heretic, crucified on a a Roman cross, and his followers are going to be driven from the temple and disowned by their families. But in return, they're going to be invited to participate in a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of reality, God's reality. And it's a way of life that could transform the entire world. Where you stand in relation to God's kingdom will determine how you hear Jesus' parables. I want to say that again, because that's an important line. Where you stand in relation to God's kingdom will determine how you hear Jesus' parables. If you're invested in the present order, if you're comfortable with the way things are, if you're happy with all of this, if you've bought into the idea that the world as it is is just how it's always been and how it's always going to stay, there's nothing more, nothing we can change, if you have a stake in this reality, then you're probably going to miss the kingdom of God in your midst. But if you're hungry for something more, if you look at this world and you understand that things don't have to be this way, we don't have to have the conflict we see between human beings ripping apart communities, between human beings and God, between human beings and this earth. If you're hungry for something more, then the kingdom of God is at hand. And that actually brings us back to the parable of the sower. Back in Luke. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Jesus explains to his disciples that this seed is the good news of God's kingdom, the word of God that Jesus has been sent to proclaim. But not everyone is going to receive it. And as Christians, we usually, res- we usually assume that we're the good soil, right? We're the ones who have listened and understood. We're the ones in whom this word from God has taken root. We're the spiritual insiders, the holy ones, the ones who get it, and it's everyone else. The world, non-Christians, people outside the church, they're the ones who have closed their eyes and shut up their ears. <coughs> But if the Jesus story teaches us anything, it's that being a religious insider is no guarantee that you're going to get the memo 
about God's kingdom. It's the religious leaders, the elite, the elect, they're the ones who completely miss what Jesus is talking about. They hear the parable of the sower, and it's just this weird story about a foolish farmer wasting seed, throwing it where it has no hope to grow. But who is it that understands? Who is it that gets the message? Who is it that's hungry for this alternative reality Jesus is proclaiming? The poor? Sinners? Prostitutes? Tax collectors? A bunch of uneducated fishermen? Even a handful of pagan Roman soldiers along the way? These are the social outcasts. These are the religious outsiders. They're the ones who hear Jesus' message because they're the ones who are hungry for it. They're the ones who are ready for a new reality. And for them, these parables unlock all sorts of divine mysteries about what that reality looks like. So what about us? To kind of bring it home, where do we stand? Are we invested in the kingdoms of this world, keeping things as they are? Or are we hungry for something new? How does our soil look? What are the rocks in our lives that are keeping us from rooting ourselves fully in God's kingdom? What are the thorns that are threatening to choke us so that our fruit never matures? These stories are a challenge, but they're also an invitation. Jesus' parables invite us to check our hearts, to examine our idols, to reconsider our commitments, our distractions, our fears. As we go through these wild and crazy stories over the next handful of months together, may we have ears that hear and eyes that understand. And may we be blessed with a seed of hope that reaps a hundredfold. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at Brockport FB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.